messes in our life? How many of you have messes in your life? Amen. But how many of you are that God's an expert in turning those messes into messages? Woo! I'm telling you this right now. We need to get excited because, uh, because God is always up to God. It might not sound good. It might not look good, but he's always up to God. Can I tell you that when you are, when, when you begin to trust in that good God, there's a release that is going to happen in your life that you've never seen before. Uh, and, and I believe that God's going to do something with that. I'm so honored to be able to kick off our new series for the month of February. Now, we just closed up with a series called Love Crew. Somebody say Love Crew. Love Crew. So in January, we were clearly defining the difference between seeing the love crew as a volunteering opportunity in the local church versus living out love crew as our God-given identity. Amen. Our God-given identity. See, love crew does not exist only on Sunday mornings. Love crew exists that Monday morning coffee across, uh, uh, across your co-worker. It, it exists at the house when your kids are crying out and they're, they're, they're bugging mama as you're on the way to the bathroom and you're, you're just trying to pee. And can I tell you that love crew exists there. It exists in the midst of your day when your husband or your spouse or your wife are getting on your last nerves. Or is it just me that's talking right now? <laughs> if you can't say amen, you say. All right, so now. Uh, woo, okay. So I believe that the love crew exists even when the mic turns off. I am the mic. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Uh, and so I believe that we need to be the love crew no matter where we are. We are the love crew because God is love. Amen? Amen. And as the love crew, we make the love of God tangible through serving and giving. As a matter of fact, First John chapter 4 verse 8 puts it like this. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know. For God is... See, the most tangible evidence uh, in a person, if that person really knows God or not, it, it can be seen in their love for the community. It can be seen in, in their love for the lost. It, it, how many people have seen like or know folks that say they love Jesus, but then they are some of the most angriest people on planet Earth? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like they are the most like crumbling, complaining, negative people on planet Earth. But then I love Jesus. But they can say all the right Christian lingos. But how many know that Christian lingos does not always equal a transformed heart? So I, I want to encourage you this morning, would you allow God to transform your heart? That we may be marked by the love of God. Amen. That we may be marked by the love of God because we are born out of love. Did you know that? That we are born out of love. God is love and love is supernatural, which is why God is so patient with us. Uh, you know, he is so patient with us. You know why God is patient? Because he is patience. See, for God, it's not about an act or doing something. For God, it's the way he is. It's, it's his very being. God uh, is not just patient with us because he wants to be patient with us. He is patience, period. Do you know that patience lives in you? Do you know that kindness lives in you? Yeah. Kindness is not just an act of, kindness is a person. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. And he dwells within you. And I think we need to catch that if we are going to live a very uh, overflowing with the love of God. Which is why this month, we need to learn something. We need to learn to say 
Yes. Somebody say yes. yes. How many of you know that sometimes in thinking about the love of God is a beautiful ideology of love, but however, uh, the practice is not so easy. Is that correct? Uh, have you ever had to come across somebody that you don't really want to love? Maybe you're sitting next to them. Don't, don't point, don't point. All right, don't point. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I think saying yes can be terrifying, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you don't know what you're saying yes to. How many ever done that? Yet more often than not, God would ask us to say yes to him and be okay with not knowing why. And be okay with not knowing where. And be okay with not knowing how. Because it requires you to do something that I think we're going to talk about today that's going to be so crucial. Because I believe one of the greatest foundation and a characteristic of love is this one word that we're still journeying. That to fully give ourselves to. Without this one word, we might fall in love with the ideology of love. We might fall in love with the ideology of the notions of love, but won't have the bridge to cross over to an application of love. And that's why we need to really understand this one thing. This is the answer that maybe so many of you are looking for to solve the eluding basic human needs, the ABCs of the human soul. You know what it is? Acceptance, belonging, and connection. Say it with me. Acceptance, Acceptance. belonging, belonging. and connection. Would you like to know what that one component is? You do? It don't sound like it. It's like... Mm, maybe. Do you want to know what that one component is? Yes. I believe with all my heart that that one component that we're going to talk about today is so crucial. It's trust. Mm, somebody say amen. amen. Uh, this is a very hard word to uh, address. How many here are very trusting? <laughs> How many here are not very trusting? How many here are not comfortable raising up your hand? <laughs> just, just check it. Great. So uh, we do want to address this, this one word called trust because I believe that one of the things that we need to learn to say yes to is trust. And uh, trust can mean many different things for many different people and our level of trust also varies depending on our experiences in life. Is that correct? Uh, but what would it look like for us to allow God to redefine our ideologies of trust? Uh, because trust is so, so foundational to relationship. How many believe that? That you cannot have a solid relationship without trust. Is that right? You can have a surface relationship without trust. Can you really call that relationship though? What do you call that? Superficial, acquaintance, what else? How about what you do Monday mornings? Coffee? When you say, well, you know, like here's the reality, a lot of times we come to work, we go to school, we like to present ourselves a certain way, is that correct? Yeah. We like to present ourselves a certain way, uh, but how many of you that without trust you can't really be you? Yeah. Or you can be you, it's just nobody else has to be in your world. And everybody else can get evicted in your world for all you care, and you just live on your own, and you, uh, you are the king or the queen of your own domain. How many of you know that it's not a reflection of love? That it's not who you are? Remember who you are, Simba. Remember who you are. 
Because all the time we have spiritual amnesia that we struggle to every day, that we wake up to every morning, that, that we forget who we are. And every single day the Holy Spirit lives within us and He bubbles up and He reminds you of who you are. How many of you have weeks or days where you feel like not getting up in the morning? When you get up and you're going, God, what am I getting up for today? I have nothing to get up for today. It's the same thing and the same old, same old God. It's the same old waves coming on my direction. It's the same old wind that is blowing down my direction. I don't know if I want to wake up this morning. I don't know if I have the energy to wake up this morning. But I like to propose to you that your ability to wake up in the morning is when you know that the sun rises within you. What do I mean by that? The Son of God, He is arising within you and He wants to overflow flow through you, but that means you need to learn to awaken yourself up. Have you ever just uh, uh, awakened yourself joyful? Have you ever done that before? There's more, can I tell you, there are mornings when I had to get up off my bed and my wife is already, you know, in the bathroom and I'm in my room by myself. I get up and the first thing I'm looking for is my so many different answers. (laughs) The first thing I look for is my my Bible. In your phone. In my phone. Next to the Facebook app and the Instagram app. The first thing that I pick up is myself. What? Okay, no, listen. Sometimes you gotta pick yourself up first before you pick up your phone. Somebody say amen. amen. And what that means, sometimes you need to get up and go, the Spirit of God dwells within me. Amen. It's going to be a good morning because he's a good God. Amen. You know, I, I'm telling you, this is not something I make up. This is what I do. Sometimes, sometimes I, I, uh, I have to do this because I know me. Because if it's up to my flesh, I'd rather be laying down for another four hours. But how many of you know that God has worked for you that day, that God has already set up an assignment, people for you to meet, and then the devil's butt for you to kick? I mean, like, God is already setting up your day. But if you don't learn to pick yourself up, you don't learn to say yes to God that morning, can I tell you, you're bound to say no to everything else he's going to show you that day. Your morning needs to be with a yes to God. Because when you learn to say yes to God, there's something that us that stirs within you. I needed to get up. There's, there's this, this week has been crazy for me. Thank you, Jesus. There's been a lot of things that took place this week that is one of those weeks where I just feel like, oh, Jesus, I just want to lay down. Can I not just lay down another hour? Wait, that's not the right verse. Jesus says, can you not tarry with me another hour? I was like, Lord, can I take another nap for another hour? And I, I just, I just, I am just so exhausted. But you know, you can speak yourself into exhaustion, or you can speak yourself into joy. And I have to learn to take control of my own mind. I have to learn to take control of my own body. That my body does not dictate my day, my spirit does. So I needed to learn to speak myself joyful. You know, where I'm like, no, today's going to be an amazing day. As a matter of fact, God's about to turn things around today. That God is an expert at working all things for good. That all things might not look good, might not sound good, might not feel good, but He is good. Just like I, you know how I'm over excited by myself right now? This is me in the morning sometimes. Well, I had to do that. Because if not, I'm going to always give in to 
what I want, and what I want is not always what God wants. Can I get an amen? And so we need to learn to trust. So we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6 to 7. This is going to be where we are going to come out. Just two verses, and there's something that God was speaking to me this morning, because what does it look like for a love crew to be manifested in our daily life? What would it look like for us to say yes to being a love crew as our identity? And uh, God was showing me 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 6 to 7, something that I've been meditating on. Uh, just a little context for those of you who have never cracked open a Bible. There is no judgment here. We all have arrived at that one point, uh, one point or another. And I just want to let you know there's a man named the Apostle Paul. He is chosen by God to speak a very specific message to, uh, to not only the Jewish people, but also to non-Jewish people. And he was speaking to a group of believers in the city of Corinth. Now, if you don't know what the city of Corinth is, the city of Corinth is a city in ancient Greece. And it is one of the most... Uh, largest city in ancient Greece. As a matter of fact, it is one of the most prosperous uh, in ancient Greece. It is filled with every kind of technology. It is filled with every kind of commerce, but it is also filled with every kind of opportunity to sit. Uh, and so uh, uh, if, you, if you want to compare Corinth, Corinth was the, the sin city of that time. As a matter of fact, if you were, uh, if somebody was to insult somebody else, if they really want to insult you, they would call you a Corinthian. That would be one of the lowest, a uh, low blow is you, Corinthian. And that means, that would just simply mean you are a human being that have no self-control. Wow. It'll be equivalent to that. It'll be equivalent to you, low, dirty, scumbag. I mean, like, it's something like that, except it's with holier words. <laughs> You're a Corinthian. And there was a church planted in Corinth. There was a beautiful bride in Corinth. Do you know that the bride of Christ, the church, is so beautiful? But sometimes you don't really know how beautiful she is. And you know when you don't know how beautiful you are, you don't know the narrative by which your husband gave you, you begin to listen to narratives of other people, of other seductive, seductive doctrine. And you begin to believe yourself lesser than you are. Isn't that what? Uh, because Eve is a picture of the church. Did you know that? Eve was the first shadow of the church. Just like Adam was supposed to be the first picture of Jesus. And do you know that uh, how God viewed Eve, she was perfect in every way. But the devil managed to convince her that she was lesser than who she is. That she was lesser than who she is. And this is the same in the church of Corinth. It is true to a personal identity, but it is also true to a corporate identity. That the church was not being who she was called to be. And she ends up um, uh, giving herself, prostituting herself to uh, many different gods, to many different ideologies, to culture. And, and how many of you know that that sounds like today's church? If you can't say amen, you can say Is that true? That it really sounds like today's church, that we live in a space of compromise. Uh, but however... Uh, Paul, I thought it was so interesting that Paul did not speak down to the church in Corinth, but instead he reminded them of their identity. He began to call them saints, even though they were living like sinners. But how many of you know that they're, 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 the way they live and their identity might not be congruent, but Paul always addresses first their identity. That their identity are not a bunch of sinners! You know what I mean? Like he could have totally said that in the beginning. You know, dear Corinthians, you bunch of sinners, you bunch of backsliders and the ingrates. I mean, he could have done that. 
But he did not call them at that at all. As a matter of fact, he called out the greatness that is present within them. Uh, he called out the greatness that Jesus already deposited inside of them and would not settle for anything less than that. Amen. He began to get saints who has been set apart by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Amen. He began to speak that into them. He began to speak that into the church in Corinth until they, they would believe it. And I love that about Paul because that is the function of a dad. How many of you know that, that Paul was not just an amazing preacher. He was not just an apostle. He was a spiritual dad. And in that moment, a spiritual dad was rebuking or correcting his son. But also, he's also establishing the correct identity in his son. And that's what Paul was doing in that moment. So uh, the, the church in Corinth was like, they were so good in sitting. The Bible says that they were committing sins that did not exist in the world. How do you do that? That's a professional sitting. Where they were doing things that they go, we can't find that in the world. How y'all do that? Creativity. I mean, like, how, how do you explain that? You know, there were so many things that was going on, and they were filled with the with the gift of the Holy Spirit. They could speak in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. They can they can prophesy. They can heal the sick. They perform all the gifting of the Holy Spirit. But that's why Paul had to correct them too, because spiritual gifting does not always equal spiritual maturity. If I can't get an amen, can you say? Because you see, I believe with all my heart, spiritual spiritual maturity is not determined by your gift. Spiritual maturity is determined by how much you love. How have you grown in love this year? How have you grown in love this day? How have you grown? How, how have you grown in love this week? If you if you honestly ask your spouse, he goes, "Honey, hey, hey, do you feel like I love you more this week?" Yes. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it was not even a blink. I love that. <laughs> You know, and I feel like that, that's something that we can check in with one another, but also don't be surprised if somebody say, no. How many of you know that the breakdown in relationship, you, you'll hear this in breakdowns in relationships. I feel like you don't love me the same way anymore. Do you know that you were meant to grow in love? That you were meant to progress and not digress? That you were meant to grow from faith to faith, from uh, glory to glory, but from love too? Because love is your DNA. Tell your neighbors, love is my DNA. Love is my DNA. How many here believe that God is in you? Amen. If God is in you, that means love is your DNA. Your ability to perform the gifts of the Holy Spirit needs to come from a place of love. Your ability to serve one another. How many of you know that you can serve one another but not be loving? It's called a job. Anybody? Yes. Yeah. It's called a job. Yeah. How many of a sadly relationship can also become a job? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, especially in this month of February, we want to learn to say yes to God because when we learn to say yes to God, we learn to say yes to one another. Mm-hmm. How many of you are that's connected? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I trust only Jesus. <laughs> he never disappoints me. I love me some Jesus. I get that. I get that. But you know the purpose of Jesus loving you is not only that you can love Jesus, but you can love others. Because here's the reality. If you can't love others, other, uh, other people uh, cannot see Jesus. <laughs> because sometimes the only Jesus they can see is through the act of love that you commit. 
And when you commit unloving things, I wonder who you reflect. I wonder who you reflect, uh, and I think we need to have a deep check-in and make sure that we are reflecting the right person. Amen? Okay. So, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 67, and this is how Paul addressed the truth. And I, I know there's many things uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, but I want to highlight just verse 6 and 7. And a different week, I'm going to bring up the other ones, but I want to focus on this just because it was so highlighted to me. How many of you sometimes, like, you read something, and you read it like a billion times, but then as you read it one more time, just that one more time, all of a sudden something else is highlighted? Yeah. Like, I love that about the Word of God. It's so infinite that I can read the same passage a billion times and have a billion different things. Because he's infinite. Somebody say infinite. infinite. You are plugging into the infinite God. And I love that. He is unlimited in power. He's unlimited in all things. So the Bible says, I know I'm going to read this together. Would you stand up with me? We're going to read this together. And count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Can we read that one more time? I want you to read it like you mean it. You ready? One, two, three. Somebody say amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Here's my question. When I read that, here's the first thing. I don't know about you, but this caught me off guard. All of a sudden, I asked this question. Anybody? Yeah. Always trust? Like that was, it was one of those Scooby-Doo moments. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, always trust? Like, what? How many of you can understand that you can trust some people, but you can't trust all of them? Anybody? Or is it just me? I mean, like, I'm just saying, but according to this passage, love, always trust. you, but I almost had a spiritual constipation in that moment. I don't know if I can accept this. I had to freeze in that moment and go, always trust. But Jesus, that's not real, is it? And then God would ask me this question. So what's not real? What you're, th- what you're thinking or what I'm saying? Uh, um, I was- Yo, listen, God, God, I love it. When he speaks to me sometimes, he speaks to me so straight because he will not allow me to settle for my hypocrisy. How many of you know that we live by double standards and other people can see it, but we can't see it? Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's okay when we do it, but it's not okay when everybody else has a dog. Anybody? Yeah. Or is it just me? No. Right? But how many of you know that God will not allow you to settle in your hypocrisy because that's not who he is. He's the God of truth. He's the God of life. There is no light. Uh, there is no, there's no shadow or uh, anything that is shifty within God because he is perfect in every way. Amen. And he will Amen. not let you settle for anything less than who he is. Amen. By the way, that's who you are. And your, your journey in discipleship, your journey in your Christian faith is a constant knowing of who you are in Christ. Because the more you understand who he is, the more you understand who you are. Who you are cannot be found in anything else other than the identity of God. Because you were made in his congratulations. Congratulations. That is who you are. Always trust. And and verse 6, love. uh, The Bible says, love does not delight in. 
evil but rejoices with the truth. Now, when, what was highlighted for me is that word delight and the word rejoice. Uh, it was really highlighted to me, and, and, and as I began to read what it is in Greek, I began to discover that actually it's the same word. That word delight and the word rejoice is one word. It's just de- described two different ways because there's two different emphasis. Let me show you the word. So the word there, delight, is the word kairo. Can you say kairo? So it's not kairos, it's kairo. And this word here, this word here means to take pleasure in. To greet. I thought that was interesting. To greet. To call upon. It means to celebrate. It means to be glad. It means to make a joyful noise. It means to rejoice. It means to turn up. And I love this word, delight. Can I tell you this? Uh, if we go back now and look at that word, delight, what does it say? Love does not delight and evil. If it's all those words that we just described, how would you read that? Love does not take pleasure in in evil. Love does not greet evil. You know, what does it mean to greet a person? Acknowledge them. You will not acknowledge the evil in that person. You will not acknowledge or greet or call upon the evil in that person. I don't mean there's no room for connection. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, what do you champion more? What is evil in a person or what is great in a person? Because whatever you champion will win. What do you champion? What do you champion in your marriage? What do you champion in your children? What do you champion in yourself? What do you champion in your friends? What do you champion in your coworkers? What is your What do you champion among the students that you're with? What do you champion? What do you call upon? What do you celebrate? Is it evil or is it truth? Isn't it interesting that the, the, the opposite of evil is not good? It's truth. That was the contrast. That was the contrast. What do you make a joyful noise about? What do you make a big deal of? Can I, can I give you a little, uh, a little tip? And this can work in anything, in marriage, in parenting. Uh, you know, you, you can do this in anything. And, and can I tell you, this will build trust, okay? You need to learn. Let me just point it this way. Somebody read that. One, two, three. I'm going to let you just kind of just sit with that just for a minute. How many issues in your life is brought upon you and that you're suffering until maybe even till today because somebody keep on zoning in on your man-made worst in you. And you can't seem to see anything else beyond that filter. You know, the truth is this. We don't see reality by, by ways of reality. We see reality by ways of our filters. And how many of you know, the moment you put a filter, it looks different. Y'all been on Instagram? Y'all been on Facebook? Even on your iPhones? Thank you, Jesus. Or your Androids. I'm not hating. I'm going to call out the greatness. I'm going to champion the greatness. 
Thank you, Jesus. FPU approved. What would it look like for you to champion your children? You know, I I, um, I, 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 I love my boy. My boy is so different than my baby girl. Uh, Mika is very considerate. Mika is very much a, uh, she's very much mama bear. And uh, she is like that, my 12-year-old daughter, among her friends. That she draws many of her friends in. Now, Kai is a little different. Kai is he kind of kind of keeps to himself. He he doesn't mind not playing with anybody else. You know, he just kind of chills and hangs out and and you know he just kind of does his own thing. And uh, many times, you know, as sibling goes, what do you think they do? Fight. They they fight. They do fight. And you know, when they do fight, a lot of times, you know, the the name calling happens, and we have to step in many times. And uh, uh, but what what's been amazing also though. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've been learning is to champion the greatness that, that they do. Uh, of course, I correct the, the wrong thing, you know, that they are committing because that's not who they are, but I also champion who they are. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, sometimes Kai, Kai does it, uh, he, he does it because he sees me do it, so, you know, like, uh, and I need to do this more and more. I'm convicted of this where I would open up door, open the door for mom. Just something very, very simple, something very, very little that, you know, I would open up the door for mom and close the door for mom. Uh, how many know that somebody thinks are learned? They're not natural for some. Right? If you are not raised this way, you're not going to think, oh, let me open up the door for you. You're thinking, you have feet and hands. Go do it yourself. Do you need healing? I'll pray for you. You're late, bro. I mean, like, you know, that's the kind of attitude that sometimes we carry when it comes down to serving one another. But I would open up the door for her. I would close the door for her. I would open up the door for a big sister and close the door for a big sister. And so there are a time when he would do it. When he would just, you know, like he goes, oh, mom, let me help you carry the bag. And the moment he does that, you know what I do? I go, boy! And he's like, that's man stuff! That's what men do. We serve our family. We begin to chat, even down to the small thing. And I tell you, he's like, okay. <laughs> but how many of you know that's registering something in his soul? That you are molding something in that moment. I wonder what it would look like for you ladies. Can I encourage you to do this? Every time uh, your boyfriend or your husband takes out the trash or clean up a little bit, would you acknowledge him? Sometimes it is much more easier to acknowledge him when he's not doing it than he is. And so what would it look like for you to acknowledge him when he's actually doing it? He goes, babe, you take it out of the trash, that was sexy. <laughs> oh, look at you. I mean, I love just how you tied up the bag. I'll give you a 10. How about when he cooks and he burned rice or he <laughs> he burned water? Babe, that was the best tasting burnt water I've ever tasted. Life. Try this on for size. When you get up on the table, man, would you do this for your wife? When you get up on the table, would you leave her? Uh, would you leave her a twenty dollar tip? <laughs> <laughs> How come you can do it in restaurants, but you don't do it with your spouse? Woo-wee! <laughs> I don't get an attitude. I don't get an attitude. <laughs> what does it look like for you to leave a tip? A tip is a point of appreciation.
shit. Is that right? Yeah, the wife might go, $20? <laughs> That's not enough. Wow. $20? Or just leave like a new AirPod, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All the men says, ouch. <laughs> A woman who like for you to appreciate one another, focus on the greatness instead of just championing what they're lacking. I wonder how our relationship will change. I wonder how trust will grow if we begin to focus on bringing out the God-given best in others instead of zoning in in the man-made worst. What would it look like for all of us to do that? Can I tell you, we're going to have some happy people in this neighborhood. We're going to have some happy, happy people. Why? Because people are constantly being built up instead of tearing down. This is how we build trust. What would it look like for us to champion and to rejoice and to call upon the greatness? Celebrate it. Even if it's a small thing. You know, sometimes our problem is this. When... when when somebody does, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of people struggle with responsibilities. How many know that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if somebody, let's say, struggle with showing up on time. You know, we have uh, employees that struggle with showing up on time. And when they do show up on time, you know, the, the, the tendency is this. Well, that's your responsibility. You should be showing up on time. Right? That's only common sense. But that's only common to you. How many of you know that today our common sense is not the same anymore? Your common sense might not be my common sense. Does that make sense? Everybody's common sense is different because what is common to you might not be common to other people. And we just need to always assume the best. We always need to call out the best. It doesn't mean that you're correct, but you also call out the greatness. It's of every person. And so when, uh, you know, uh, it's so funny, like, you know, we'll have people who come in and they, they come in late and then they come in, uh, we correct them and they come in on time. And I'll be like, that's what I'm talking about. See, you can do it. Like, I'll make a big event. I just showed up on time. But how I many of you know that a lot of times people are not used to having those small victories celebrated? Those small victories. Make a big deal out of it. If you always just poke, poke, poke. You're going to end up deflating the person. Yeah. What do you do with your words? Do you pump or do you poke? Do you build them up or do you tear them down? Maybe even your words, by the way, quote, quote, tearing down other people, it's well intended. But how many of you know that well intentioned sometimes it's not, all, it's not always received well? Yeah. I think we need to learn to differentiate the difference between our intent and our impact. Your intent is always more real for you, but your impact is always more real for other people. Is that right? So I think we need to learn to differentiate the two things. Would you, would you trust, trust focuses on bringing out the, the God-given best in others instead of zoning in on their man-made worst. And I, I want us to read this, verse 7. It always what? It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always. You see, without trust, you can't you won't protect. Is that right? Without trust, you won't be able to hope. Without trust, you won't be able to persevere. Trust is very component, it's very, very key. But how many of you know that a lot of times the people that you're trusting is not necessarily worthy of your trust? Anybody? 
Anyone or just me? No. And the question that you know that we have, you know, it's, it, that's the reality. Sometimes, uh, how, how do you build trust? Talk to me. Getting to know the person. What else? Prove yourself through actions. Okay. What else? Let them borrow, let them borrow money. That's, wow. It sounds like a personal experience. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Oh, come on now. That's right. Somebody else. Talk to me. What is it? Be a man of your word. Notice a woman is saying that. <laughs> Be trustworthy. Because you know that word trustworthy, it means worthy of. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Um, but here's the, the question that I would like to propose before we determine uh, if everybody else is worthy of our trust. Because sometimes it's easier for us to be the God. And go, are they worthy of my trust? Are they worthy of my trust? Are they worthy of my trust? That's not what the word says. The question is this. I want us to ask ourselves. Are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy? You know, I, I've learned something in much of my arguments with my wife. I've learned many, many valuable lessons. Thank you, Jesus. That advanced me years, uh, uh, leap years ahead. Praise the Lord. Okay, can I tell you that not every conflict has to be negative. A lot of times, uh, you know, some conflicts are actually healthy if you learn how to respond correctly. But it, a lot of times the reality is we don't know how to respond correctly to conflicts. Jesus solved conflicts all the time. He's not afraid of conflict. But he also knows how to respond to conflict very, very well. And so, you know, when, when I get in conflict with my wife, for example, uh, one of the most, like, you know, be it, let's say that I forget. <laughs> okay. Let's say I say something to her. I go, honey, you know, uh, yeah, don't worry, I'll do that later. Anybody? I'll do that later, I promise. Word has been release into the atmosphere. And it was received by faith on this area. <laughs> In that moment, as she received faith, she also releases something. You know what she released to me? Trust. How many times do we get in conflict with somebody and we argue about subject matter but never address the matter of the heart? In that moment when I, you know, and then I'll forget it. I forget to take out the trash. And then the next morning she goes, Honey, I thought you said that you were going to fill in the blank. Anybody? Yeah. Is it just me? No. You know, like, you know, and so, yep, that's just you. Okay. Uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, like, is it uh, in that moment, you know, like, I was like, Oh, I messed up, you know? I, I used to do this. I asked her for forgiveness. I am so sorry for forgetting. Is that really the, the matter? Is that really the, the, the root issue? No. 
I learned that I did not, it's, the problem was not me forgetting. The problem was I mishandled her trust. I wonder how many of us only apologize for subject matter, but don't apologize for the matter of the heart. I wonder how many of us focus on the problem itself, but never actually come and arrive to the solution because we address the wrong thing. A lot of our relationship conflict actually derives from mishandling trust. And when trust is broken, it's very hard for you to do anything else. It's very hard for you to protect. Is that right? It is very hard for you to protect. It is very hard for you to hope. It is very hard for you to persevere when you no longer trust the person. Maybe there needs to be some repentance this morning. Where God is calling us again to trust. Not only Him, but also others. Those who say they trust God but don't trust people, can I tell you, you're lying to yourself. If you say you trust God but don't trust people, can I tell you, you're lying to yourself. Because your reflection of your trust with God will be reflected in people. And your distrust with people will always reflect on your distrust with God. You just hide it behind spiritual words, that's all. What would it look like for us to learn to trust again? Why? Because God who is trust lives within us. Do you know that trust lives within you? All you're doing is releasing trust. Whose trust? God's trust. And if you would tag along on his trust, which is a part of who you are, can I tell you this? You'll be able to trust somebody in ways like God trusts a person. Do you know that God trusts you even when you mess up? How many times do you mess up? Too many to count every single day. Whether you realize it or not, we mess up all the time. Is that right? But yet God wants to trust you. If if you were God, would you trust you? No. <laughs> but yet other people have to earn your trust, huh? They need to be worthy of your trust, huh? In order in order for them to be good enough to be in your circle. Can I tell you, my brothers, my sisters, we need to repent. That's hypocrisy. We are right now settling for someone that is lesser than who God says we are. Trust always enlarges the circle, not reduce it. Trust always enlarges the circle, not reduce it. It's completely opposite of this world. Is that right? Anybody? Listen, I can be trusting, but also be wise. But my wisdom does not stop me from trusting a person. Giving them another opportunity, just like God gave me another opportunity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I hope this is helping somebody this morning. And here's the last thing that I want us to just think through. Love chooses to trust not based on worthiness, but his trust makes us worthy. Would you learn to trust others, not based on their worthiness, but you, when you trust them, you make them worthy. You choose to make them worthy of your trust. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be a choice that you make. Instead of having people earn it first. You know, because the moment people have to try to earn it, the tendency is this, they can't be themselves. 
Is that correct? They can't beat themselves. They have to beat somebody else because they need to appease you like your God. They need to appease you. Because obviously you are the center of their universe. <laughs> but that is not who God says we are. When we learn to trust the way God trusts. And is it going to be hard? Yes. As a matter of fact, it's going to be impossible. But how many of you know that we live in a realm where all things are possible? Amen. Because God lives in us and we live in Him. Amen. Would you stand with me? Come on.